There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, welcome to In The Pink, the podcast with me, Natalie Pinkham, where I speak to all sorts of different people, some of them high profile, some of them under the radar, but all of them interesting, with great stories to tell. Now, my guest this week has got to be on the podium when it comes to the most popular drivers in Formula One, Mark Webber. The down-to-earth, straight-talking Aussie managed to win the hearts and minds of British fans from the moment he joined the F1 circus. In this podcast, he tells me about the challenge of leaving home to pursue his motorsport dream, which meant coming to the other side of the world, and how he simply couldn't have done it without the loyalty, love, and ultimate determination of his wife, Anne. He gives his views on all the current talking points, like Fernando Alonso retiring, Daniel Ricciardo moving to Renault, the changing of the guard, if you will. He also reveals who was, and still is, his mentor and the answer may surprise you. Plus, he tells me how a certain four-time world champion still comes to him for advice. This is Mark Webber at his open and honest and most likeable best. Enjoy. Well, Mark, we're sitting here in what I can only describe as an idyllic setting. I mean, this is the, the most beautiful home and you've got animals roaming freely <laughs> all around you. It's characterful it's got everything I mean do you ever sort of sit back and wonder how the hell this kid from Oz ended up here uh I know Pinks when you always come here that yeah I know you're an animal lover and so am I and so is Annie so uh um look I'm a country lad from Australia so animals I always grew up with animals and always grew up with a little bit of land around us so it was always my well during my career, if I managed to have a decent career, I always wanted to try and get myself in a position where I could still do my career but have something as similar as I, in terms of setup to what I had back in Australia, um, in terms of having those, the simple things in life give you so much pleasure and, and yeah, just a space. So, um, I mean, of course, you, I do pinch myself. I mean, it's so nice when, when, um, when people do come here and you sort of you, you see the they 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 do comment on the efforts you're putting in um to keep it as nice as it is um and you're sort of custodians really of such such a such a place so it's nice to um come back here when i can i'm not here a huge amount but it's nice to be back here when i can yeah and it certainly you know it always feels as if 
England has taken you to our hearts in the same way that you have to yours. Mm. Is that how it feels to you? Totally. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I moved here in 96 and I did all my junior racing here. Um, I Originally, I moved to, well, I was in Hainaut in Essex for six months, about <laughs> eight months, which was from, from Australia. That's in a box room where I could hardly get myself straight in. Um, so that was... An education in November, and it's snowing, and I was on the um. Oh, what's the line? What's the train line? We spoke with the other day. Oh, it's Haynot and Newby Park. Park. Yeah, but what's Haynot it? Newby Park. What is it? One, uh, is it the district? No, district. I don't know. What line That's really is, bad. Yeah. Actually, I'm a London. Well, I'm yeah. not actually. Yeah. I live in London now, yeah. but yeah. why don't I remember that? We'll have a look. But whatever's at the end of that line. But it was just like it, talk about a. And I was going to a gym down the road there. Not a clue what I was doing. Talk about just like wandering around here, going. I am just so no one here in this huge, you know. I mean, population, which which it is, the UK. I mean, London is like, oh my God, I'm a country kid from Australia. You were like Crocodile yeah. Dundee, basically, I weren't was, you? I was. I was. I was bloody Crocodile Dundee. I wasn't carrying a knife. I still don't <laughs> now. But, um, yeah, amazing how I did move around a little bit in the UK. And I just... It's funny because my dad loved English comedy. So open all hours and the two Ronnie, all that stuff. So I think that's sort of... He injected some of that into me, just the respect of how, um, what he said, mate, I bloody love the poms, mate. I love the poms. They're so bloody funny. Rah, rah. So, <laughs> so growing up, I remember dad in the living room when I'd be, you know, having dinner at night and because I wouldn't be having my peas and vegetables, mum would make me sit there forever and finish my meal. And dad's going off to watch some English comedy and he would be pissing himself up in mum's going, he's going to have a heart attack. He will literally have a heart crying. <laughs> so I think that that love affair for, you know, I just already broke down a few fences of, in terms of, I mean, when your dad, who's clearly one of my heroes, l- likes the culture and likes the people, then it was nice for me to sort of, for me to open up. And then the racing was just, you know, that's what I had to do here. But then, yeah, it's such an incredible industry in itself. I mean, there's one thing, liking the humour, and the culture. There's another thing, living in a box room in Haynock Park, like wondering, who am I? Where am I? I mean, it really were a fish out of water, weren't you? And and just tell us how that process happened. I mean, how did you end up there? Um, yeah, well, I was I was racing in Australia um, in the sort of 94, 95. Um, and what was I then? Sort of 17, 18. And then a bit of a scholarship, I suppose, to come to the UK. It was to be the best racing driver in the world you've got to come to Europe or England at that at that, at that point in your career at that age group it's like tennis if you want to be you know in the tennis academies whether it's clay in Spain or whether it's in, in Florida or where the weather's good for the tennis youngsters need to be exposed to that type of scene and, and the scene in Europe and the UK that's the hotbed of talent back then so I needed to uh, immerse myself in that environment so um, I'd met Anne my now wife um, you know when I was about 17 um, and she was working in Australia at the time and she said that um, you've got to give the UK a go and actually I'll go back as well and let's give it a go. So yeah, we are staying at uh, Anne's mum's house actually, the first because we didn't have a house obviously so we stayed stayed there and um, I couldn't believe like, you know, the first house I ever stayed in, like as in Australia we don't have like, you know, the, the semis or the, the, the all the houses that are obviously, you know, glued together, they're all detached houses obviously because <laughs> Australia they just are, we've just got more room, we just have detached and it's like the first time we'd ever sleep, like, I can bloody hear the next door neighbours. Like, this is a bit different. This is like weird, you know. So it's just the, all these little things, just how, you know, the size of the baths and like the showers, you're like, wow, this is it. And we, look, we had a pretty 
you know, sensible little house in Australia. It was nothing super extravagant. It was just a, it just a change of scenery, you know, size and things and parking and no garage and wow, you know. So it was interesting. Yeah. Massive culture shock, I'm sure. Um, let's just kind of cast your mind back a bit more to that childhood that you're talking about. And um, what are you, the sort of standout memories for you from mm. it was it a happy time was it full mm. of laughter as you mm. say your dad was just giggling non-stop to English humour but yeah you, you've always been an outdoorsy kind of person yeah. is is that what it was all about I think um I really reflect so um I mean so many positives on on my childhood I think because I grew up in uh a rural area so sport community sport was massive so my mum was huge on having a go and very little excuses so mum would take me to swimming club and I was like mum I don't want to swim all strokes well you are swimming all strokes mum the water's freezing I know it's freezing up you're going to get in there and you're going to do it have my little speedos on you know it wasn't all it was just freezing and I'm just in this mum Wednesday night swimming club in Queen being like this is like if people know about where this place is and just you know it's just but it was amazing how the families got together all my buddies, we'd ride BMX bikes, we do. And I only look back now and sort of think just how simple but yet how straightforward and I went home to a brilliantly, like mum was a bit of a disciplinarian but and dad was a bit loose with me in a good way so he gave me a bit of the elastic band to stretch that relationship with mum. But in terms of my wild streak, which he'd certainly put fuel on to give me the chances to learn and I'd already injure myself. I mean, motorbikes, I was, you know, on the dirt bikes on the farm or stuff. And, and he'd, he'd love seeing that because he was jovial at heart himself. So um, just the, I suppose the license to, not the license to kill, but literally the license to go out and, and learn about yourself mm. with, you know, I wasn't, you know, they were very, very trusting of me. I, that's the, I, I believe they were very trusting of me, but yet had the discipline to say, okay, dad was massive on like if you damage anyone else's prop for him that was massive if you damage anyone else's property you are gonna have such a purple ass unbelievable you know so he was you know on certain things like that he was very old school and tough on and um because he had a small business and he knew what it was like for people you know so you know damaging people's property drugs for him you know brutal i mean lying to him any like just some real key basics on you know mate yeah absolutely the please and thank yous and looking people in the eye shaking the hand or basic top fives or whatever but you know when it comes to like i mean practical jokes like just doing jokes on people and stuff like that all harmless stuff i mean it's carnage it's absolute <laughs> carnage you know but does that make it all the harder to leave that behind you mm. know because that does sound like a pretty yeah. incredible lifestyle to wrench yourself away from um, it was, and the first six months I got homesick, so I thought that, um, you know, I left and I thought, okay, uh, I was so, so hungry, I was so passionate, I was so determined and borderline stubborn to, to make sure that, because I had quite a few people also say that, you know, you, you're not going to last long over there, you'll come home with your tail between your legs, and, you know, and that for me was inspiring to say well i'll prove you bastards wrong I, I will make this stick and you know here whatever we are 23 years later i am still here so in, in a way that's sort of, i suppose that mongrel side of sort of saying well i did make that stick but you're right the sort of the iron avenue 16 iron avenue the house i grew up in and the house that i have so many incredible memories at um was gone and um it was tough for mum because she's like well hang on this is she wanted to i mean she wasn't overly supportive of it um 
so she was pretty disappointed that I was going to the other side of the world to race cars but um did she come yeah. around to that idea like how long does it take her to to cope and process that long time long time I think she just knew that I mean she, there was no upside for mum I mean, she never saw me and it was dangerous she's like well what you know this is there's no good news story for her really like yeah. the, the chances of also it really I mean and she was right the chances of it me really making a phenomenal career of it were very very limited it was going to be very challenging to, to do that so um, what did she want you to do she loved tennis and golf she knew I loved sport mm. um, school for me was not easy I was I was you know the class clown to say the least I was a larrikin at school and I tested unfortunately I have some regrets there because I did test or I compromised other kids educations in some ways because I was I had so much fun with them they had so much they were incredible I had the potential they had but I, they got into my banter and my fun and my you know obviously I was challenging with the teachers and we we would we'd absolutely muck up we were we were definitely rough um in school and that was tough and I think that's another reason my dad wanted me to get into something that he knew I dropped onto something I was laser focused on and I couldn't get it out of my mind and he channeled that very well mm. he picked that early mm. um because there was also some you know there's a bit of you know drugs and bits and bobs around in, mm. in my local area you know it wasn't a super rough area but there was areas where you could get yourself in a bit of hot water in in our town so he was clever in that sense he wanted me to get through that I think those tricky those turbulent years with a passion where it was going to lead to mm. I mean we never knew it was going to do this but mm. he he was I think that was that was important so mum went with it she had no choice because obviously I wanted to do it um and it's got to be with you at the end of the day it starts and stops with you I mean we've got all these you know parents that you know you know in, in sports or in life you need you need that support at home you totally need that but there's a point obviously where you have to step up yourself and mm. you've got to show in this case my dad also my both parents but obviously dad to so, say well you know what it meant I've got to I've got to walk the walk too here at some point you know as a mm. you know when you're 16 17 it's like well you grow into a man pretty quick when you're working with adults very quickly with consequences and you learn a lot about yourself so um but all of his principles old school straightforward easy principles just went a long long way mm. for me in and still do to this day so it's interesting that you obviously knew Anne from the outset and this was the start of obviously what's been an enduring relationship, you know, mm. 23 years, yeah. as you mm. say. She obviously had quite a big role to fill for you because she was looking after you, she mm. was responsible for you, yeah. she's your managing you, and then she ultimately fell in love and became <laughs> your wife. Yeah. It's a pretty incredible story, that. Yeah, it is. Um, I think that we did spend clearly, obviously, you know, a lot of time with each other when I first came over here and then you, you just you just enjoy each other's company and then you have the journey together and then off off you go well you know you, you've you've got that yeah that journey together and I suppose and that focus and and she had Luke I mean Luke mm. from from the previous relationship with Rod and and um so he was young so I think Luke was whatever two or three um yeah around two or three when when I met Annie so she was a single parent to a degree trying to do the work I had you know I was trying to when getting going over here so we had it was tough when we first arrived here it was it wasn't straightforward but um she was and still is brilliant i mean that's why you know I'm, I'm i'm obviously married to her because it was amazing how the the journey um when we had our tough moments you need those mm. those rocks with you and the strong yeah. people that can navigate and get you through those tougher times so um yeah she played you're right ping she played a lot of great roles for me and she could pl- 
change her character for whatever sort of role because I'm you know I mean at 17 you think you know everything but holy hell mate what you know 18, 19, 20 years we all think it, in our early 20s we know a lot but I mean my god now I look back 20 years and think what I didn't know and she had to go through that because obviously mm. you know <laughs> she's like well he's actually quite immature in certain things but I still love this or whatever I mean that's obviously mm. a question for her but in terms of went through a lot went through a lot absolutely yeah because when you look at um, some of the wives and girlfriends in the paddock, you know, they're fantastic. They, they take a bit of a back seat in many ways. Yeah. Anne is probably the only one I can think of that is just always championing you. From the, yeah. from the day I met you, yeah. you guys, um, she's, she, yeah, I mean, she's everything. But you probably did need that, didn't you? Because without her, imagine being 17 in this country and trying to make your way. Yeah. I can't imagine many teenagers yeah. coping with that without f- the support network of a family over here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would have been tough to make it stick because there was some, you know, when I mentioned there before about sort of six months a bit homesick, I went back and it ne- I needed two days to remind myself, what am I doing? I'm missing nothing. Nothing's changed. All my buddies saying, what are you doing? Get back over there. Like, you know, you just, I just needed that slap in the face to go, mm. mate, you total dickhead. Get back over there mm. and roll your sleeves up again. You know, because you know, there's no substitute for hard work mm. and you've got to graph, you've got to get into it and you've got to be there because out of sight, out of mind, all the rest of it. So, um, so you're right. Yeah, she, I mean, she was, you know, an absolute rock star in terms of keeping that, um, you know, keeping the coals on the fire when we needed to, um, literally at home and also on the career. Um, and because I was on 43 pound a day when I was a racing instructor you know so I wasn't you know and the pound then was um, three to one against the Aussie dollar so if you brought one Australian dollar over you get 33p so in terms of sponsorship I mean you know you bring a grand over and you got 300 quid so it was not pretty even on that sense you know so the sponsorship situation and trying to get in people backing me and that it was just getting very very hard the dollar was not in our favour so Anne was working hard. Mm. I mean, she was working, you know, dropping Luke off a nursery. We'd do our stuff and bits and bobs and, you know, I might have driven cars. I had a licence, but there would have been some tricky periods where we had to uh, double up on sort of getting ourselves around in terms of, you know, um, licences and whatnot. But um, you just, we just had to get on with it. But she got you your first gig with the Yellow Pages. Um, Tell us about that moment because I remember you pulling that out as such a significant moment in, in all your lives and I'm sure how much was it for and what yeah. did it what did it mean to you yeah. at the time oh it's massive I mean I was racing in Australia and um we'd actually been to the movies together I think in Manly in the northern beaches in Sydney um and she can typically she'll remember like an elephant she likes to remember mm. what bloody movie it was which <laughs> I'm not I'm not great at movies again attention span race and drive I can't sit down and watch a bloody movie but um and driving back, phone rang, yellow pages. Um, and well, we're very interested in because we she sent out like you know, because my that's right, dad got a dad tasked her to say, Annie, can you send out a few sponsorship proposals? Because you know, we're struggling for the coin and rah rah, and we need some sponsorship to try and pay for the racing because we've got no no money to keep funding it. And um, she said, Yeah, I'll send a few out. So she like, you know, she put a put a put a you know, penmanship together and did a work and and um. Yellow Pages got one. Yeah, and they rang up and said, we're very interested in this and we're going to do the whole thing. So um, it was like 60 grand Australian, which was like phew, I mean, that's massive. Huge. Yeah. Absolute game changer. I mean, massive. So I had a yellow car and uh, oh, yellow pages all over it uh, for the next race. Yeah, it was quite funny. And um, yeah, so she landed that deal. And um, 
and we're still in touch with all those guys today. All those Yellow Pages guys are still in touch with them today. So it's it's amazing how, and we still take the piss out of some of them because some of the guys said they were against the deal, you know. So like you know, we stand. I still rip them to this day, <laughs> but they're still. They've been to Grand Prix and we've had fun, and so um, hilarious, you know. I think actually she remembers the road and where we were when the phone rang and mobile phone off the size of a friggin' you know size of a car when she's on it. And um, anyway, yeah, he got that was our first sponsorship deal over the line that's amazing and and what's your relationship like with Luke um, he's obviously grown up with you yeah. such a major part of his life mm. yeah a uh, very good relationship really good um, he's I suppose like a yeah I mean I I, I tried to I clearly wasn't his father but I tried to have an influence where you know um, that would sort of couple nicely with what Am would like to see in him from um, from a male perspective too, mm. sort of have that sort of bigger brother, I suppose, in terms mm. of clearly looking out for him, but also um, just trying to give him a few um, little tailwinds in life to get him ahead on certain things. And, um, you know, not opening loads and loads of doors because he's definitely against that. He does not want to be using, you know, you know, sort of taking the piss out of the system and having, you know, opportunities and he wants to really you know find his own way which is nice um but yeah great yeah we're um you know he loves his sport loves his cricket loves his football loves his you know he's he's racing to a degree totally um and um you know it's tough a little bit i mean when you have a career uh, i suppose like i did there's a you know when we we're at our peak it was probably 220 nights a year in hotels so it's hard to see each other all the time as young you know when he was growing up but that's what we just did yep did you find it hard to discipline a kid that's not your own? Yeah. Because, I mean, it must be strange to know where that line is because you want to, yeah. as you say, kind of guide him, nurture yeah. him, but you can't co- contradict or undermine what Anne was saying, but yeah. equally, you're not his dad, so was Absolutely. that a difficult line to tread? Good point, Pinks, yeah. No, it it was. Um, and Annie and I would talk about it, obviously, together to say, okay, where's the boundaries? You know, where do you want me to, you know, because all I'm just trying to do here is this is how... What I, these are the principles I believe in. This is something which I think is going to be beneficial for him growing up. Um, and to try and have that, um, I suppose, borderline, yeah, that father figure approach of actually, yeah, well, I can do this and just try and, you know, my foresight, you know, is, um, no, it's, it's just my, you know, he's, my foresight is his sort of, sort of the hindsight. I'm trying to get that right. Anyway, so I'm that sorry. sounds good to me. Yeah, no, I know what no, you mean. No, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> all my stuff ups, I can give him basically. Yeah, so, go, uh, yeah, being long day pinks. But yeah, he's, um, and Annie was cool with that. You don't know, so, don't yeah. do what I did, do what I say, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do what I say, not what I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but he still is majority. I think Annie did most of the heavy yeah. lifting because it's just that, I think. So she was looking after you both. I mean, yeah. bloody hell, she took a lot on, didn't she? Yes. <laughs> is there any sadness that you're not a father of your own, that you don't have your own kids? Um, oh, well, when I was racing, absolutely not mm. I could not have I know that's what that. a lot of the racers say actually yeah, isn't it they can't it do it, it. Affected me. I think mm. it really would have affected me um, and I think I'd be um, it's quite funny when you watch Ricky Gervais on Netflix in the humanity because he talks about um, this topic and it's quite interesting when he says it's not like people are waking up every day thinking shit Mark hasn't had kids we're going to run out you know I think there's enough of there's an there's certainly enough of them which is obviously a, you know, a bit of a sarcasm there obviously with for him but i think i'd be um yeah i just don't i i see i've seen guys that i feel that i'm 
very, I'm, I mean, some of my tightest, tightest buddies that are just, that were like me for a long period of time and they now have had kids and they're like, mate, it is obviously, I totally, totally get how phenomenal and unique it is and and, and I'm not poo-pooing that at all. It, 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 it clearly is. Um, but it's just, it's just what happened. I think obviously with um, my career and then obviously, you know, you know, obviously there's a bit of an age difference between Annie and I and then it's like it's just worked out that it's it's probably not gonna happen. And I'm actually I'm actually pretty pretty cool with that. Um it gives me it's not all downside. I mean, yeah, can you you can't turn it on and off once you've done it. It's like off we go, here we are, we're we're committed. Um and I think it would be obviously it there's sections of it would be phenomenal, but I don't it's not um often that I wake up, if not very rarely, where I, I, I see that that gap mm. um is it selfish i don't know i mean again how is it selfish if you're having something that's not even doesn't even exist so i mean it's it's it's, it's quite a yeah no, so, i mean self um, is definitely not a word i'd use yeah. to describe it i just see there's quite a nurturing side in your personality when you take on people like yeah. mitch evans and you've you, you've got almost um there's a patriarchal side to your character definitely and when yeah. you look at your relationship with your dad yeah. I, I often wonder whether you'd want to pass that forward and yeah. but perhaps you're doing that with Luke and Mitch and yeah. other people that you've nurtured in your life I think I'm I do Anne gives me sometimes a bit of a spray because I do like to I think I'm naturally a bit of a giver anyway so mm. I do like to I'm pretty free with you know like okay mate I've seen a few movies if you want some advice give me you know, I'm happy to try where I can to mm lend some support here and there on even that's obviously just career stuff but in terms of um and that's all walks I remember surfers whether it's for tennis or I mean god the amount of different sports or people because most of the rules are pretty similar in terms of how and and what you need to I mean the discipline and focus and all those sort of things that, that you need but I suppose you're I mean you are you know you touch on something pinks in terms of yeah having that ability you know to see your young son you know improving and doing something and, and really you know growing in front I mean that would obviously that sounds that sounds pretty that sounds pretty amazing but um yeah it's uh it's probably unlikely mm. and um, what about the other kind of uh key people in your life mm. who who are the other mentors if you like that put their arm around you um I know you also you talk a lot about Dietrich Mateschitz being quite a big influence mm. You know, I know. Obviously, yeah. you're massive, um, massively close to your dad. Yeah. But family aside, for a moment, who have been the kind of key people to second, help you with your career? Second father, easily is uh, Jackie Stewart. Yeah, oh. Sir Jackie. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, the Weber family. Um, I mean, it sounds a bit over the top, but it's just the way it is. I mean, I hold Jackie in the highest, highest esteem. I mean, he's been, and the family. I mean, they've been, they've been great, um, and are great to this day. I mean. Um, we try and see each other a lot um and just talk about yeah you know um his hindsight is my foresight there you go yes so um that's it so every now and again i mean after le mans there was something going on there and and he rang up and says mark you just you don't need to be doing this anymore this is just like yeah and he's like and then i had the big crash in brazil so he's like and he's going, mate, you know, because he was very disappointed about the standard of driving, you know. I mean, we all raced in Formula One, which is the level is obviously you know, pretty high, as we know. And then you race in a mixed category in sports cars where you've got amateurs mixed with pros in phenomenal machinery and then mixed machinery. And you're sort of like, he's like, mate, 
there's just landmines everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. and he just he presented it to me in a way and it's just like, you know, so he's on the career side, on the on the on managing my my life out of the cockpit, the Monday to Friday stuff. He's been a tremendous example for me on on doing all the real, real basics very, very well and making people feel you know, you feel that you've thanked them and you feel that they've 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 sort of um it's genuine that if you've you you if they've they've had you've had nice hospitality or done something with them then then you've done enough to sort of thank them but just in a way that you can not cheesy at all but just a stylish way to sort of mm. um return the message and 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 the networking you know and how you you know about relationships and and you know i think it's obviously it's an old saying but you know jackie says you know mate always you know fly with the eagles not with the crows you know if you can you know try and you know surround yourself with really good people and surround yourself with people also going to challenge you and you've got to learn off, you know, because, you know, I don't want to be the, it's a, it's a pretty low IQ if I'm the most, if I'm the, if I'm the highest, um, yeah, inside the room, it's nice to be around people that are going to, you know, you've got to learn off. You raise your game, exactly. You've got to learn off, so that, you know, Jackie's um, been great, uh, so yeah. He's, he's great. I mean, I think I just naturally have a tremendous and a huge amount of respect for that generation anyway, mm-hmm. in or out of the cockpit, mm-hmm. like my dad's mates, mm-hmm. Nicky Lauda, Jackie. I mean, that, you know, um, all that. I mean, I think my dad's guy's age, I just love, you know, getting a handshake off one of those guys in that general. If I get stopped in the street and a guy that age, his mate just well done on the career like a handshake for me, and I'm not belittling the selfies and little things that you might do with someone around my generation or someone younger, but that soup that is a trump card like mm. for me that's just like gratification like if i'm keeping those boys happy and they're mm. happy i've done it then that's powerful for me that's amazing it sounds like you did have a lot of uh, strong influence and advice growing up but is there any advice you'd give to your younger self now looking back uh yeah i think um yeah i think um you know con- continuing you know when you believe that you're working hard which i believed um I I believe I really did work hard. I would like to have worked a bit more on the mental side of the mm. sport. I think physically I was definitely in one of the best shapes I could be in while I didn't leave anything on the table there in terms of my pre- um my preparation on that. Probably seek out a bit more um just to handle just a bit of distraction control and just a bit of handling that that last because I mean pressure and you know, delivering and, and, and your breaking points is all generally around, you know, just all those distractions and, and what are those things that there's always something that will break someone, you know, like what is that final thing that's going to start to break you down? Mm. Um, and is it with your own performance? Is it with, you know, I mean, in our sport, as we know, so a lot of listeners, you know, will know, but it, it's such a it's such a technical sport. There's so many things which we have to contribute towards our performance on an engineering side that, We've got 500 people at the factory and we're trying to... So there's so many things that you learn along the way that you're like, wow, if I had a bloody known that early, earlier, or you've got columns of energy to say, I actually probably overcooked that column in terms of the energy I put into it, but if mm. I bloody just shift, shifted a couple of percent over to that one for myself um, in terms of how I, how I strip that down, um, and probably... Um, even just things like probably just a bit more rest as well, just mm. more rest, more sleep, you know, plan better. I always want to leave on you know, after races. I want to get the first flight out there and get out of there. Well, Mark, actually, 
you know, I was busting to get back to back to your own bed, but it's like sometimes it's like, mate, you just chill, you know, let's get... So I, I think I, I would have liked to have somehow brought a bit less stress into my mm. profession somehow, but it comes with the territory. It is mm. like that. Or maybe I'm delusional. Maybe I wasn't far off, but that would be one thing I would have liked to have done was um, being able to have... Because uh, it's amazing. I mean, Roger Federer has a coach, right? I mean, how to play tennis better. Valentina Rossi has a rider coach, mm. you know. But when for racing, we have none. You know, we mm. don't have anyone that we can talk to. And it's quite interesting. Like, I was actually texting Sebastian um, on Saturday uh, about some stuff. And he said, yeah, I'll keep an eye on that, you know. So it's quite interesting how, you know. And I've done the same with Mark Hines with Lewis at Singapore mm. or whatever. So it's like, it's amazing how when you can talk on that same level, that's engaging, you know. So if I had someone, and it's probably going to be a, I don't know who it would have been. It would have been a probably a Michael or a Mika or a DC mm. or some of that next generation out to say, mate, probably a bit of this, bit of that. And they probably did, but it's just like, that's the bit. If you just had a pause button and tried to accelerate that in your head to say, okay, what else can I get out of my... Because you're right. I mean, you're just the kettle's boiling in every column. Mm. Like You're just mm. really... So do you think you could have enjoyed it a bit more? Yes. I think... Um, that could have been, yeah, something which I should have... It was quite interesting. Like, my third last race after Korea, 13 drivers, um, we all got on a plane together. We flew in a private jet from Korea to Narita, and we started to get... We just had a few drinks on the plane, and then we went out in Tokyo on the Sunday night. I after, remember you doing after, this. After I Korea, remember this. After the Korea. I secretly wanted <laughs> to be there, obviously. Yeah, you would have done well there, Pink, yeah. But obviously on that Sunday night... You had a massive session. Was massive. <laughs> Absolutely huge. We had 13 drivers. Um, it doesn't take much to get a driver pissed though, no, does it? If it we're does, honest. It does not. <laughs> Skinny little whippets. It doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't take much. And also the budget, you know, it was that... I mean, look, we were rums. We were like Zambuga. I mean, it was just oh. carnage. And so we had that night... I remember the next morning waking up, obviously I was a bit dusty, and then I went for a swim at the um, in uh, Rapongi there, I think it's the, um, the Sheraton in Rapongi there, and Kimmy's doing laps. Kimmy was out with us, Kimmy's doing laps, and he's got tattoos, and the guys are kicking off because in Japan you can't swim in the pools with, with tattoos, you oh, know, yeah. like you can't. And this is a pretty swanky hotel. So I jump in, and Kimmy look at each other going, like, well, this is pretty average. Kimmy can swim quick, so all of a sudden the competition now kicks in. So we're now like, we're, we're massively hungover. We're trying to swim, you know, with each other. Kimmy's got this guy on the side of the pool going ballistic because he's got his tattoos showing. Um, do the session. Monday goes by, and then Tuesday, I had some other friends arrive, and we all were talking about how amazing Sunday night was. I said, yeah, well, it sounds amazing, but, you know, if you're not there, are I said, I'll tell you what, we'll go again Tuesday night. So we went back to the Tuesday night. <laughs> to the same place. same place. Amazing. Massive, massive night again. I qualified on pole on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, only qualified on pole. So to answer your question, like, obviously, I was not going to be drinking like that, you know, and I rarely, I rarely drank when I was racing. So, mm. you know, to your point, what could I have done? Different? So could I just release the pressure valve a sniff? not drinking at all in terms of, like, no I don't need to do that but in terms mm. of just how intense I was and how individual and how sort of driven I was and probably how selfish but if I just tried to enjoy it a bit and, and not let that you know the professional the all encompassing sort of you know the, the whole global effect of it sort of pull me down a mm. bit um, I think that is definitely a component I could have um, just 
But I saw that as showing other people, especially my employee, like if they found out, I mean, which they would, I mean, they knew it was my last two or three race, yeah. so Mark, it was a bit of a thank you for all the drivers, he's on his way anyway, but um, I just, I was just very old school on that, and that was probably something that Dad, you know, bashed into me, that, you know, it's just like, you're now, yeah, you're professional, you've got standards, and yeah. you've got to do things, and... But I don't know, I think um, the camaraderie between the drivers is actually a lot better than it might look from the outside you know the fact that you went out and had this great night out I remember talking to Daniel Ricardo about it and he said actually it it took Jules Bianchi's death actually to make them all sit up and realize they had Mm. a genuine love and respect for each other Mm. is that something that we don't see enough of on the outside and is that maybe something that you guys need to enjoy a bit more as well because it could be a bit of a lonely sport otherwise uh 100% right Pinks I think um a couple of things have happened I think of late um, I think when you say when something, when a huge incident like when we lost Yul Bianchi happens, to, it's a massive wake-up call to the guys to say, actually, you know, we're overcooking this. We're way too uh, selfish. We need to have a, a bit more respect for each other. Clearly, when we're wheel-to-wheel, you know, 200 mile an hour with the mm-hmm. helmets on, we have to race hard. You know, but the whole, I suppose, the boxer mentality of, well, we can't even really be, we can't do much at all together is is a bit of a... Um, a step too far um, and I think also what I, then what hit me between the eyes when I went and did when I finished racing in Formula 1 going to sports cars just how because it's a different style of racing it is less intense and it's more mm. about the endurance so the wheel to wheel combat or the ego combat factor is a lot lower so you can actually the guards down and I was also at the end of my career, I was you know, the contest was over in a way. I was just enjoying driving cars at that point. And but the the camaraderie between the sports car drivers was phenomenal. It was really really cool. So that was interesting to see. And then I think when I say the other two points in Formula One was one about you know something tragic happened. I think pulled the boys together. And actually, when Fernando and some of these other guys have done some mixed sports, so he comes back, sees it IndyCar. Actually, they're getting all right. These boys over here. We're still cut from the same cloth. We're yeah. still the same beast. Yeah. We're driving different categories, but we've managed to get ourselves in a position where now I don't know whether it was, if it's, you know, there's so many cultures, like in America, they're all basically, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, Hispanics and, and, and guys, Brazilians living in Miami and Americans, so maybe in, in, in the racing scene in the US, the, the cultures are a little bit closer, but here we've got, I mean, do I want to knock around? If I had a choice, if I'm going to hang out with the French and the Germans and those compared to mm. some Kiwis, Aussies and Poms, and, well, of course I'm going to go that way. That's just culturally how we are. Mm. So maybe that's something which has always been a bit of a challenge in Formula mm. One. And languages in, in the 70s and 80s, not every guy spoke English back in mm. those I mean, they've got Formula One helped them. But now you know, all the guys are speaking perfect English, which helps. Mate, it's interesting that you talked about giving Seb a bit of advice because if you told me that a few years ago, I would never assume that you'd get onto those kind of terms with each other. Yeah. So maybe quite a lot's changed since you've come away from the competitive side in F1. Do you think that? Do you think the dynamic between you and Seb and you and many others has changed? You know, I know you've got a huge amount of respect for people like Fernando and, and you know, you're good mates with Brendan Hartley. And yeah. But do you think it's different now you're not racing alongside them? Massively, yeah, absolutely. I think when you come out um, and you, you know, we've had lots of good chats together with Lewis I have you know I mean Lewis seven Fernando I mean they're the three in the last you know I mean obviously I raced a lot against those guys but they're 
Um, okay, they're not at the start of their careers. Fernando's, as we know, he's just retired. Seb's got a few years to go, as has Lewis in terms of whether he's whether he's motiv- Lewis could go for another ten years, but mm. it's depending on his motivation and how hungry he is. I doubt he'll do a decade, obviously. But in terms of how, you know, if you ke- if we keep him in the right slot, I mean, sky's the limit, you know. Mm. Um, and so I love seeing that. I like seeing the guy, and I wasn't at their level, but I and so I, I but this. There's, there's that still that I think that that brotherhood of like Seb said summed up me and said mate you did my head in you are such a pain in the ass you know? Seb said yeah, that. yeah yeah you were like you know like that's and you were like ditto yeah, exactly <laughs> like high speed corners where it's like man what are you doing like also last sector in Barcelona it's like you know, what he said for six years I couldn't work out what you were doing there really? you know I so, said I couldn't even like even if I tried to tell him it's like mate it's just because it just comes right yeah. and there's like Singapore he'd do my head in you know yeah. so and ultimately had the line share it because he was he's bloody handy as we know but those guys um, naturally you have a lot of respect for each other because you've mm. done you know when you chase each other for two hours and there's a there's a sweaty cuddle at the end of it and you're drenched in champagne that there's a bit of a glue that goes on there yeah. over time because it just happens so often yeah. you know that when you've been up there on those steps for quite often you do get hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. But do you think in the moment you can be friends with your teammate? Because, you know, we see some interesting dynamics up and down the the pit lane. But it strikes me that there's a kind of understanding between them that even if there isn't an out-and-out number one, number two. I mean, I'm thinking Lewis and Valtteri and Fernando and Stoffel. I know that that partnership is over now. But one has definitely assumed the role of top dog. Can you actually be friends with your teammate? Um, Formula One is tough to be... I mean, friends socially. What is it from? I mean, you know, do you get on? Are you going to work professionally with them? Then that's acceptable. That's that would be um, above the norm. Let's say in terms of how far you prepared to go. I think when it really stresses, you know, I mean, for example, speaking on on, on behalf of my own personal experience, David and I got on very well. We were very open. Do. We still do yeah. because Red Bull when we arrived, we you know. 
the team was and David was instrumental in bringing a lot of the people you know Adrian and you know, getting some great people in there to get things going but at the end of the day as we see now with in my opinion with like Williams or some of those teams that aren't firing and you know over time it takes the <laughs> it's like putting weight back on it's easier to put it back on but it's hard to bloody lose it and hormones mm. the same like you can go from the front to the back real fast to get back up there it takes forever mm-hmm. but the sparkle and the piece of jewelry and the drive I think, you know, comes from, well, you need good management, clearly good, strong management, but also the cockpit, the people in the cockpits can just inspire a whole workforce. Mm. If they believe this guy is just going to be something they love, love, they love working with him and they love getting the job done for them, even if you're not, and I think that, I think most people at Red Bull Racing enjoyed working with David and I. You know, so that was the start of mm. then oh, we had good funding and then obviously Seb Seb rolled along. Um and Seb and I got on great until you're the only two left. Then you got problems. Mm. So then the the shit starts to happen because then obviously there's like there's only one bowl of food and you've got two dogs, you know, mm. so it's like we have a problem now. So that, and that's when so I think teammates can get on when you're building and mm. there's not big results on the table mm. because you've got when there's a championship at stake you know when you, and there's race wins yeah. and championships i think yeah. it just gets so because then it's like you've got just one career at it and mm. you've got to make the most of it mm. it's it's interesting you're talking about uh, building the team around you because that seems to be something that i don't know how you feel about this but i look at fernando and i've always had you know such huge respect for him whenever i interview him he's so polite um he gives you time he gives time to everyone in a way that a handful of them don't and you know who i'm talking about um and yet they talk about him as being divisive and you know this is a guy that Mm. i know you think could and should have won more world championships and ultimately is was that his downfall in terms of f1 of, of not being able to be a bit more perceptive and work out how to be a people person and, and make the team work better for him. I'm thinking, obviously, of Ferrari. Yep, I think so. I think um, he, yeah, was it a culture thing? You know, I mean, Maybe, he had yeah. two different cultures there, so yeah. he tried to make, you know, McLaren work, so left left um, Renault, um, won the championships at Renault, mm. um, went to McLaren, Lewis arrived, carnage, so that was a big that was a big test. So he definitely would have probably liked to have done that first McLaren round better because that team was phenomenal. Then. Mm. I mean, they were awesome. McLaren were great then. I mean, imagine having Lewis and Fernando in the mm. same team. I mean, okay, so even Ron couldn't sort of manage that. Mm. But um, so he then went back to Renault and then you know Ferrari and all you know back to back to McLaren again. So yeah, he's. Ability to, I mean, Sunday afternoons, helmet on, he is hardly damages a car, hardly touches the front wing. Mm. Like, he races hard. He's just an absolute machine when it comes to delivering consistent lap times on a Sunday afternoon. Is he the fastest over one lap? Absolutely not. Mm. Is he the fastest in the rain? Absolutely not. Um, so, I think there's pockets here where Lewis has totally got him covered. Mm. Um but, you know, we know if you can have a slither... It's like a boxer saying, well, he's got a right hook, but he's going to fumble a uppercut, you know. So he's like, well, you can't have a boxer, you know, or have Ali a little bit with, you know, mm. Pacquiao and... I mean, that's just not... So they... That's sport. It's like Federer and Rafa. They all... Everyone brings something slightly different. Mm. Well, Rafa's left and Roger's right-handed, but, you know... So they are... When you get to that level, you're looking for the small things. To answer your question, what is... 
how could he have done the Monday to Friday stuff? How could he mm. driven and 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 because the, the stopwatch was totally in his favour. Mm. The people would they could see that like he's a he's a beast with with mm. the car in his mm. hands, but he did not find the right for whatever reason. He didn't find the right way to to get people to um, yeah to. To believe in his cause as much as he probably would have liked um and look at the museum he's done in spain gorgeous you know he's done so many amazing things um but i just think that there's i think on some of those things also he matured quite late his driving was always very mature very level-headed but in terms of his exposure to actually i suppose working with people and understanding that you know how they're going to get that done um He's very stubborn, very, you know, he's a very, you know, which all racing drivers are. I was going to say, that's kind of yeah. a trait that most of, of you share and, yeah. you, and you almost need. You do need it. But how and why? I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be a fascinating interview with him two or three years after, or even also with people. I've never, I've never really, I mean, he was in a little bit of stuff with him when he was testing a Benetton and, or racing a Benetton and Minardi days or whatever, but people say I know him really well. I don't know him too bad, but... Um, I yeah. kind of get the feeling that no one really knows Fernando right. that well. That's right, yeah. And I think that, um, you know, Seb, is he going to not throw this one away? But, I mean, I think Seb will be, by his own admission, be disappointed so mm-hmm. far. There's been a few mm-hmm. races which he would have liked to have got more out of the package. So has he done a great job with the mm-hmm. team? Has he done more? I mean, whatever. Is he making a you know a bigger effort? That's only an answer. Yeah. Ferrari can tell us. It's interesting with, with Seb as well. Would it be too simplistic to say that he has made mistakes where Lewis hasn't? Could you strip it down to that? Because it seems it's strange to me that Seb's obviously such a brilliant driver and has pulled the team around him in a, perhaps a way Fernando ha- didn't, hasn't. Um, and yet when the pressure's on, mm. really on, mm. Lewis just seems to feed off that and yeah. respond and excel in that environment in a way that perhaps Seb doesn't. I think Lewis has even lifted, you know, in some of those Rosberg. I mean, Seb, it's a bit like the Senna Prost thing. I think mm. Senna needed Alain Prost, and Lewis needs Sebastian. And Lewis is all that's getting the job done now for him. The key word is he's just his magic composure. I mean, mm. the composure, he's just, at the moment, he's just got a shield around him, mm. and he believes in his ability. Where. When it was in the same team, Lewis would have um, moments where I think even the team were disappointed with it. He just he, he was struggling. His focus wasn't always there. Mm. Where with this one, it's I think it's personal, and I think it's um, he wants to show um, he wants to beat Ferrari. He mm. wants to beat Sebastian. They've both teed up to the resources of screwed right up as high as they'll go in terms of both manufacturers. And he doesn't have a German teammate with a German manufacturer. He's got a you know he's got a German teammate with a fr- Italian manufacturer. So he's like, I think this one is, and he said that often. And I think it's mm. totally genuine. Mm. He sees this as a much much bigger fish, yeah, and world championship. We can pull this one off, yeah. Because um, he talked to Monza about using the the negativity of the crowd yeah. in his favour, where so many drivers, you'd have to say. Yeah. Would would perhaps struggle with that, and you know they want to be buoyed by support, don't yeah. they? Sensational quality. I mean, I was really disappointed with the crowd's reaction, and 
and I've been on that podium when when Seb has been a non Ferrari driver and got drilled as well. By the way, so you yeah. know, it's whatever colour suit you've got. That's the problem. I mean, is it Lewis? No, it's the colour suit, and he just mm. you know they put the manners on Ferrari mm. with a brilliant drive. Mm. So, um, but maybe Lewis sometimes does take it too personally. I mean, I don't know. Just from just from my experience talking to him, um, he definitely wears his heart on his sleeve, and he's. It's so weird because it's the question I get asked more than any other. What's Lewis Hamilton like? Yeah. And what? Why is it? He definitely fascinates people, and he divides people. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like saying to Lewis, "We're not all out to get you. Yeah. You know, actually, you've yeah. got our support." Yeah. We should be immensely proud of him. He's this uh, four-time world champion who's really come from nothing. I know he had McLaren support going up through the ranks. and But, you know, he's a working-class lad. He's yeah. countered a lot of racism yeah. through the years. He's still the only black driver in F1 history. Yeah. So we should be so proud of him. And yet he resists that in a way, I find. Yeah. He doesn't welcome yeah. that support. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Maybe it's just because I'm you know, I've got a camera and a microphone that he's distrusting of that, but perhaps because he's been stitched up a few times. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, some great points. Um, yeah. Does he take it too personal? Look, he's been around the block. Um, he has been burnt, no question about it. He mm. has been burnt a few mm. times through, you know, horrendous misquotes or horrendous, mm. or the public, you know. Um, he might not be for everyone and i i see why you know mm. i'm a big lewis fan mm. I, I i i i like the guy i like his bloody handshake i like when we talk to him we talk about you know and he's 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 come a long way mm. you know i think that he was out of after mclaren where he was literally basically fed you know it mm. was it was he didn't have a chance to grow as a, as a man he mm. didn't really have i mean his balls had dropped but he didn't really mm he wasn't the backbone to him yet mm. you know and 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 you know you know he needed the exposure yeah. you had when you were 17 yeah. but sort of later on yeah, you know I you could kind of all learn from that don't these you tattoos and these sort of things you know this expression of 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 the sort of um the bit of visibility and 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 i'm i'm strong and stoic and all these things mm. which um he might try and crave in a different type of way um i think ultimately um does he take it too personal? Um, I think we've seen of recent years anyway that he's he can very much turn that into a positive on track, yeah. which yeah. is a, which is a sensational quality. Mm. Um, he's, you know, I've saw also a little bit with Robert Kubica because Robert, you know, coming through, um, he's a Polish driver. As lots of some people want to know, but he's obviously you know one of was a super superstar coming through and had an injury and couldn't race anymore. But he still is. The poles never really got behind him when he was coming through, and he never forgot that. So Lewis, uh, Robert was disappointed. With it. I don't know if Lewis has a, has a bit of baggage from you know how mm. there was you know I mean racing drivers were a lot of things, but we have also good memories you know mm. about how mm. and why and and as a brand, as an athlete, as a as a as a national icon, mm. you take the you take the the public on a journey with your mm. with your career. Mm. which he's doing right now mm. because he's it's not you know the dreadlocks the earrings the jewelry the t I mean it's not it's not for, it's not for my father who's but my dad respects him for his mm. he's you know he's like man he's a tough bloody bastard he gets the job done you yeah. know but would dad be stoked if I come like, come home like that no he he'd be he'd be disappointed mm. would he still love me of course he would but mm. in terms of so um 
I know Lewis does go the extra mile often for it's not just when you see the odd photo here and there for him to do you know when there's cameras around he wants to do cute photos with people and bits and bobs here and there mm. he does what he can but there's a limit mm. i mean he is mm. a big name now yeah and because of the work he's put into his brand he's the highest paid driver mm. you know because of his results and because he's box office i mean he gets you on the front yeah. pages and back in a way that no other driver that's has right. ever done really right. if you think about it i mean i just I, he's got a similar trophy cabinet to sebastian yeah. but sebastian is totally ver- yeah. there you go german swiss i mean yeah. well he lives in switzerland but he's yeah. you know so he doesn't want any of that no. you know and he's and like actually i've so, walked through an airport with sebastian yeah. when he's had his hood up and a backpack on and he just looked like a student people didn't even notice he was there you can't imagine doing that with lewis can you which he loves yeah where lewis oh, wants yeah. you know with his with his um you know with his i mean this is not in a bad way. I'm just saying with his with his um, black mates that so that that's how they the, the rappers all those cool guys mm-hmm. they they like they like doing all those sort of things which is which is cool. I mean that's 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 how they that's how they operate which is which is fine. It's not for everyone, but do you know I did know I felt I felt really sad. I saw that um, he did a letter to his younger self for F1 recently, and the two things that really struck me that I thought were so sad was one he talked about the divorce of his parents and it made me think, mm. bloody hell, you know it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah what you're going through when your parents break up that affects you for life I don't care what anyone says it just does and the other one was he said don't trust anyone I thought god how sad that he actually but you know what he's as you say he's had his fingers burnt I think it's just that when I'm in the pen afterwards and and I genuinely want to to ask him how he's feeling and how he's coping with that moment good or bad Um, you know, he, he tends to close up when he's distrusting and everything else. And I, and I just want, sometimes want to put my arm yeah. around him and go, yeah. look, I'm not trying to stitch yeah. you up here. I know there are some journalists that yeah. do, but please don't just assume that we're all the same. Yeah, I think it's difficult for him to, because of the, I mean, he would probably turn two seconds later and do mm. the the equivalent of a pinky interview somewhere else. Mm. Um, and he might drop that guard down a little bit just mm. because of the nationality component that you're representing yeah, in terms maybe. of, you know, the English, yeah. you know, cause he's like, okay, well they're all, yeah. you know, cause fleet street or bits and bobs or whatever. And it's totally nothing personal. It's mm. like, okay, I have my guard up a bit here because mm. you know, what's my, is how do I convert? I mean, the ratio of the English motorsport fans or people that are on the edge of motorsport fans, how do they consume Lewis Hamilton on this day at the moment mm. compared to some other people that, which, you know, so yeah, that's that. that's yeah, generally. yeah. So mm. that's that's the mm. the tricky thing that he's probably trying to manage. But I mean, what you know, what advice would we give him? What would you say to him to say, you know, he can't. I don't think he can do it. You know, apart from you know, you know, people you know, when they get paid a huge amount of money, a lot it puts a lot of people off. Mm. People don't like that. Yeah, for God's sake, you guys should be celebrating <laughs> success. Yeah, I think. Exactly. It is, yeah. says a lot about our culture, I think. Um, right, on to someone who is completely different, um, but whose uh, large shoes that you vacated, he's tried mm. to fill, is Daniel. Yep. Um, what do you make of, of his recent decision? Um, I was a bit surprised. I think like all of us, I thought it was going to stay where he was. Um, and I think Red Bull were blown away as well. Yeah, really um, it were. really did. It really surprised them. Um, I think that um, look. I think that two reasons. B- 
been there a long time, so he has been with Red Bull for. I mean, they do. I think they sign ten year contracts when they're young. So I mean, he's he's at the end of that. Which actually, Sebastian, I think, left around the same time. Whether it was ten or eleven years, but Seb pretty much left as mm. soon as he could. He, not in a negative way, but that's. But much like Lewis needed to spread his wings yep. and grow and everything exactly. else. Yeah. So they've done. They've had a huge block of their of their career in the same regime. And obviously, I think there's the max factor in terms of the Dutch component inside there is not just, I suppose, the momentum um, or sort of the energy perceived from the team, which which is always hard. To, I've been in that situation where you go, how do I measure this? How do I feel like it's... Uh, but at the end of the day, when you, when you feel also... It's amazing how things even like... Um, I mean, just the sheer... Uh, interest in Max just because of his nationality being Dutch and being like you go into trucks you go into race yeah. journalists rah rah as Aussies we have really nothing when we travel we don't get we get a bit but we don't get much at all mm. you know so um, journalist requests or whatever you know, they, oh there's the Dutch you know that you've got 15 Dutch journos Daniel how many Aussies no, no Aussie journos mate no it's like, so it's amazing how the swell of mm. of momentum and just inertia then can go into that driver even getting more and more like um i mean just i suppose yeah energy and momentum within the team and, the, and then the commercial and marketing mm. side like and also he's doing the, he's doing the lap times too right so mm. max has is generally a interesting thing for formula one he's fresh he's new for holland new market perfect for you know so he's, he's quite bullshit as well i always think he's yeah. pretty mature for his age in a lot of ways but his confidence yeah. is just astonishing the way Incredible. he talks as yeah. well you know for a 20 year old like he's been here before like yeah. often you know yeah. like after melbourne this year i had um max was uh, stayed a while in the same area in australia and we spent some time and i was like that's as much as, as much time i've ever spent with him and you're right like it's like he's i mean yeah Again, that, that streak of stubbornness, the streak of, you know, well, I've got all this covered. You know, I've been here before. This is fine. Yeah. You guys don't know much. It's yeah. fine. I've, you know, so just... The whole package. He's a handful. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a handful. Um, so that is... Um, that's that's a challenge for any driver to, to deal with. And like Daniel's like... So then he's got a decision to make. So, okay, well, I have a chance to go now. Do I go somewhere fresh, which clearly is done with Renault? Do I go there for a couple of years and then look to see what it looks like at you know in twenty in two thousand twenty one, twenty two? Maybe there's another chance to to get something, which is clearly an option for Daniel. Like mm. that could happen. I'm just nervous, which I've which I've pretty much told him anyway. That I mean, I know it's just an engine category. I need you need good engine performance. If Mercedes is going to supply more teams, if 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 um, Ferrari are as well in terms, of, I mean, he couldn't probably get hold of any of those engines in terms of how what other teams you could have driven for was I would stay at Red Bull and hopefully Honda Fire go really well um, because I just I'm just nervous about Renault I mean I know Enstone the factory well I know the guys there well but in terms of just Renault delivering for him from an engine and reliability perspective to give him what he wants the odd victory possibly but I think it's going to be a long he's going to have to have a yeah a a good reliable shovel in terms of just digging out a result there eventually to what he to 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 what he wants um and i think he knows that so again back to the batteries and energy the change of scenery apparently loved in terms of well he will be but in terms of like okay he's he's it's exciting for i mean 
bloody what a scalp for Renault sensational oh. well I mean I spoke to Alan Prost at Spa about it and he was still yeah. in disbelief yeah. he was like wow I can't believe we did this so that's great you know and he will he will lift that team mm. he will lift that team how fast how quick do we know mm. that's the million dollar question we'd all mm. like so he will do that because he's infectious and all those things which we love but in terms of you know I just hope Daniel still continues to through this section where let's say he doesn't get a podium next year how much he still will love the sport I want him to love you know in terms of the Red Bull yeah. is it the Red Bull thing that I don't really like or is it actually the sport, the sport? yeah That's... I have to say I think I think you're spot on there I mean he's he's certainly gone on record with me a couple of times saying you know I'm struggling to love this sport right now I mean he said it to me in Hungary um, and it, because it is difficult yeah. you've got to have all your your ducks in the line and however hard you try and have much talent you've got some things are just out of your hands. Is, was that a difficult thing for you to deal with in your career? I mean, I look at the year of 2010 and the, the year that so nearly was for you. Do you look back at that now and think, um, God, that was a bloody good year? Or do you look back and go, shit, you know, what, what could have been? Oh, I mean, to go to the last race with Fernando, Lewis and Seb for the championship, it's like, that's... It's a bit of a pressure of a season. So we did, it ebbed and flowed all year. We're at each other's throats. I think we all had two crashes in races and Seb um, led the championship at one race that year, the last race. <laughs> so it's amazing how tight it was. But, um, I mean, I would love to have, God, I would love to have passed Nick, Nico Rosberg jumped the, uh, sorry, Nico Hockenberg jumped the first chicane in bloody Monza three laps in a row where I was trying to jump him and, and that would have, that race in Monza was quite interesting in terms of our championship internal momentum in terms of if that was sort of went a bit smoother for me, there could have been some potential team orders in place in in in, in my favour potentially you know but there's all these things just like I had to get the move done I finally passed him and I'm like Charlie might just you know how you know so that was a scenario was like well, that was a fine line career if I turned in half a second earlier. I'd probably still be on the road and got a chunk of points here. I didn't. I crashed in Korea. Um, starts. I had a gearbox panel in Canada. I mean, you can look at so many different things, but at the end of the day, also, I put a huge amount of points on the board that year. Mm. Won a lot of races, had a lot of podiums, um, and come up short of the World Championship um, in some pretty handy company, which yeah. you're like, <laughs> okay, it wasn't a bad season at all, um, but it was still... Yeah, I I mean, I was absolutely deflated. I was gutted at the end yeah. of that year. Gutted. Yeah. Absolutely gutted. You know, I openly say that. Like, it took, I was, I think I was ready for the season to start. It took me, like, months to, like, oh, my God. how, You know, the energy that went into, you know, and again, it was the internal. So we had mm. two internal guys mm. and two external guys from different teams mm. going for it. Mm. Um, so I had, yeah, and they were, like, the thir- quite interesting. The Thursdays were, like, German media. English media, Spanish media, because it was just like because they had all their own characters. It was yeah. like a circus, you yeah, know. I had yeah, to, you yeah. know, so it was quite interesting how that in itself would yeah. take a lot out of you, wouldn't <laughs> it? Like, Bloody repetitive, yeah. repetitive, repetitive. So mm. back to Dennis' point, now, but do you love the sport? Well, there's sections of it's just like God, you know, qualifying. All that. I mean, the sec- just love it when the guys walk away from the car on the grid and yeah. it's over to you. I mean, you can't replace. Still to this day, I can't replace that. I cannot replace it. That is like number one. Looks at you, like mate, it's over to you now. That is just, I've never done heroin, but that is just straight, I mean, you feel incredible. 
yeah. you just feel like this is such an incredible you know, I'm I am so ready for this I'm prepared I'm good they they entrust me I've got the experience so brilliant but um yeah the repetitive nature of of certain sections and people can't get their head around that you know they can't get, a lot of other sports yeah they're individual tennis and golf you can actually generally pick and choose what tournaments you do within reason mm. so formula one is very interesting where in a football team you you've got that you have got that camaraderie you're very much as one so i think that might help you get through some of those stickier moments but we're sort of involved in a big team sport but yet it's super individual mm, mm. um and you can't miss a race. Mm. Like I never missed one day of honestly, I never missed one PR day or one testing day or one practice day in my like from ninety nine to two thousand fifteen. Which is exhausting, and which yeah. is kind of makes you realise that you can't really ever, not you, but anyone, criticise Nico Rosberg for retiring when he did because he's like, well, look, I gave it my all. It absolutely hammered me mentally, emotionally, physically, and. I'm not going to summit Everest again, you know. I've yep. done it. Yep. It's not for everyone. I mean, that's why, and and 99.9% of people need not apply. So we know that bit straight away anyway. Yeah. So then we're dealing with the guys that have sort of what we call, let's the, uh, the line I hate, which is obviously they've made it. So you are in Formula One. Mm. And there's so many guys that don't even score points in F1. So they're, so they're gone. Then you've got the guys that get points. Then you've got guys who knock a couple of podiums out then they're out of f1 and then you talk about these guys that actually hang in there for anything north of seven eight nine ten twelve years i mean look at ruben 17 years jb went forever fernando went forever i mean that level of stamina and passion and hunger uh dc you know loads of guys i mean the earlier years they couldn't do it because Mm. just the fatalities were high and Mm. and the sport was very different but um yeah it is a it is a fascinating and i think it's a great it's a great quality for a sports person sports men or woman to to have a duration of a career is something that i think is nice to be measured on because mm-hmm. it shows that you're versatile and that's a great thing about sports people they need to be can't be a one-trick pony you have to be versatile to deliver mm-hmm. you know it's like well i'm amazing at this i can just do that well mate that's dogs just like on a dog show and you can dog can just do one trick well you need to have lots of strings in your bow mm-hmm. to deliver and when you're working for people you need to be versatile because then you can deliver on their expectations on on whatever the conditions are. And that's why Lewis is one of the greats now, because he is, if it's going to rain, are we nervous for him? No, we're not. Are we nervous for someone else? Well, we could be. Um, and the other guys, well, they hardly want to be on the track mm-hmm. because they're just... So <clears throat> that's why it's fascinating sport. That's why I love watching, like, for example, like a Federer is, re- is reinventing himself so many times mm-hmm. because he's stubborn enough and got a big enough ego and big enough drive and hunger and all those great qualities he needs to say well actually i'm going to try and have a two or three roger federer's packaged in within my career instead of just that one guy and maybe you've hit the nail on the head when you talked about falling in and out of love with the sport is that elements are of it are just inevitably out of your hands Mm -hmm. so perhaps all of you are control freaks to an extent because you're like the bit i love is when everything else is stripped away it's me and machine and i'm driving but so much of it isn't in your hands is that part of the problem in the way that it wouldn't be in football tennis rugby because there's so many other elements of reliability and the team around you and the other teams on the grid yeah there's a lot of things which uh can frustrate you because you you have the car doesn't, you know, the car knows you put a huge amount, doesn't know you put a huge amount mm-hmm. of effort in, but it's like, well, you, know, you get, 
you know, it's the old thing. Was it Gary Player? Was it you know the the, the more practice, the luckier the I get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. you are. And I was a big fan. I think, and someone's watching this. I am prepared. I'm doing everything mm. I can, and hopefully, I get a bit of you know, mm. and and maybe I got absolutely more and above than what I deserve because I thought that you know I had I'd raced against guys with more talent than me, no question about it. But and I beat guys with more talent than me because they didn't maybe not have the, the application that I had. So yeah, there's a lot of uncontrollables. Um, you can't shout at your tennis racket. You know, you can't shout at your golf club. You can't. Where in Formula One, the car funky things can happen. I mean, mm-hmm. the cars are little mini aeroplanes on the ground and we're controlling a very complicated piece, piece mm-hmm. of kit and we're the end user. Um, and there's a lot of ambiguity in in debriefs and, and protection of engineers saying, well, mate, it's not really like that because mm-hmm. it sort of says like that. So they're protecting their own ass because you're... Mm-hmm. So that's energy again. Well, mate, I'm telling you, it sort of is, mate, because I think, you know... You know and so, um, yeah, that's... Um, the sports chain with all the software and technology and data driven and, and so the driver's been put into a, a bit of a corner where um, they've got so much to meet they can measure so much of our driving styles now and so much mm-hmm. of our you know and so they're pretty much massaging you into a corner where again back in the day it was like you know if you go back 70s or whatever they got they couldn't even no radio drive a lap come back in how is it and start changing the car because the driver because was. Because all your feedback. It started yeah. and stopped with. It yeah. started and stopped because I had no mm. argument. Mm. It was totally about, I'm not comfortable. Okay, well we need to fix that because if you go off the road in seventy, well you might die. So mm. we need to fi- we need to get you comfortable. Now it's like, so it's changed a lot, and there's a lot of like I say, a lot of moving parts, and that can get that can get you down because it's mm. like I mean, you're driving your absolute nuts off, mm. and you're like, you know. Because a lot of people used to ask, you know, how do you ever go to the race knowing you never ever got a chance of winning? Like, which is a lot of good guys on the grid know that they they don't they're not in that team where they can get that done. And oh, it's eighty percent car and twenty percent driver. I said, yeah, but guess what? The best drivers are always in the best cars. So that's the way it is. Like you know, the, in, in like the best generally, the best guys will find themselves. There is some guys that, yeah. that drop through, but yes, and 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 you are right. With that. The listener's like, interest. He looks at my face there when I pulled a bit of a yeah, yeah. eyebrow at you. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes yeah. that is the big frustration that it, that isn't always the case, though, isn't it? And no. I mean, you only talk about Fernando just now. You know, had his chance though. So he has. He had his chance. He had his chance. Um, he, had his chance. Was, he had his chance. He had loads of chances. He did. He drive determined his own destiny yeah. in that respect. He did, yeah. He did, yeah. Okay. Um, so what I'd like to see change in Formula One and Liberty and FIA to sort of support and help this is we've got so much good young talent now mm. coming through. There's just, and how they speak, yeah. you know, young Ocon, Gasly. Um, now Lando Norris just yeah. got his seat, yeah. And um, who's the other buddy I'm trying to think of? Um, da, 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 and Charles. Uh, yeah, Charles, Charles Leclerc, Charles I mean, Leclerc. what a talent. Yeah. It does feel like there's a bit of a change in the guard, doesn't it? Even just how they speak, yeah. they just seem mature. humble, mature. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this is brilliant. These are the people we need to be having in our sport. Yeah. Um, and I get frustrated with the, um, just the pay driver situation yeah. is something which I'd still like to somehow tidy up and I'm cool if they're super super hungry and determined mm-hmm. and focused and driving the teams forward um, but the rite of passage I'm not cool with mm. and um, being the figurehead and the arrow on when the lights go out with that guy that you know you know that he's going to put everything he can on the table for his own career and 
because of what's at stake and the responsibilities of, of what I felt I had to, to do and, and Lewis and Seb and, you know, so many guys that, you know, um, I'll not put myself in those company, but in terms of all that, and Daniel and Max, all, so that would be, that would be great if we could also just, you know, Mercedes is just something recently about, oh, the, the question of their driver program. I think their driver program is brilliant. Mm. You know, the thing is just we need to tidy up the, 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 the pay driver situation mm. and there will be seats. Mm. I wonder if that ever can be done. Um, back to you for a moment. Um, was there a defining moment in your career where suddenly things changed, things clicked, you suddenly look back on that moment and go, actually, that the course of my destiny was determined at that one point? Yeah, I think it was, um, it was actually in Aylesbury. It wasn't far from here. And um, it was a bit like the Yellow Pages phone call where, um, bizarrely, uh, Gerhard Berger was driving for Benetton. He was sick. Alex Wirtz was the test driver for Benetton. He was driving for Mercedes in the sports car. Mercedes wanted to put, um, or Benetton wanted to put Alex in the, in, the, in, the, in the Benetton from the sports car, and there was a gap in the sports car seat. And they rang me, you know, this Mercedes rang me because I gave the boss, Norbert Hager, a, a business card of the Melbourne Grand Prix in 1997. That year, having won the Formula Ford Festival in 96, the previous year, which is a big car race for junior guys um, at that stage in their career, he said, would you love to um, you know, drive for Mercedes-Benz? So the obvious answer is yes. I didn't do that particular race, but I did a test. And so that phone call was the first time I really... You know, my first contract was three hundred German, three thousand three, um, German marks, three hundred thousand German marks, which is whatever, one hundred and twenty, hundred and twenty um, thousand pounds or hundred hundred thousand pounds for the season at the time. Wow, I don't have to find sponsorship anymore. You know, and um, I've got a basic, but yes, it's a, a little company car, and you sort of feel not like, yellow this time. Not yellow, but the <laughs> pressure just that was a massive phone call because it's like now, Mark. Finger out, prove what, because they've got the best equipment, they've got the best of everything. Now you're going to be up against other pro drivers. So when people say turning pro, turning pro is now, because guess what? When you get hired to do a job, people can tell you also you're doing a shit job. Because yeah. before that, it's like, well, a little bit of arm around you, a little bit, oh, he's getting his way through, doing a bit of, you know, semi amateur, amateur sort of categories. When you go into the next phases, so. So here's a little bit of pocket money. We expect you to do this and you can do that. Especially for a German manufacturer, you learn very, very fast that there's no grey areas. It's just good job or shit job. So that was probably one of, I mean, I've had loads, but I mean, that was big because then I could prove myself that, and I've got tremendous experience from that, um, from driving with those guys and tremendous resources at a young age showing how I, I should do my trade. Um and also the destiny of that one was I had a huge accident in 99, a massive, or two huge crashes in the sports car through no fault of mine. The car aerodynamically was just unstable and the car was was, was uh, taking off. So we had huge, when my teammate had one as well. Um, so then I finished from sports car racing and that put me back in the single-seater line to go back to Formula 1, which was my original dream. So, um, yeah, it was, it was uh, that was also pivotal. I mean, meeting Paul, Eddie Jordan... Paul Stoddard, Manardi, off we go again, um, you know, and then, you know, Dietrich was great, you know, off the back of Williams, well, we need an experienced guy, one we like, rah, rah, Dietrich, yeah, I like the look at this, give him a go, and then phew, off we go, and I'm still got a great relationship with Dietrich now, so mm-hmm. it's amazing how, um, yeah, what, uh, and that just that loyalty, I think, you know, going full circle in terms of just our, you know, the things which Dad 
put into me and you know when I broke my leg in in, in Tasmania I had a very nasty mountain bike accident and Dietrich was on the phone you know the second night late in hospital and he goes Mark this is not supposed to happen I said I oh, know Dietrich but it has and it's, it's shit and I'm not in great shape but um he says relax get yourself ready you're safe nothing's gonna happen wow. all good just relax get yourself mended up and we'll wait for you mm. yeah but I'm going to be at the test when you come back the first day back, which was like, and it was like 60 days. So I had to get myself ready. And he was there. You know? I still yeah. can't believe you got into that car and your leg was That was my first pieces. day off crutches. Yeah, it was my first day off crutches. I, mean, I, I left those at the hotel um, and I want to show Dietrich. I had to walk around. But um, so <laughs> that was, I had to send a message. I had to send a message to the mechanics that worked the car. They, you know, and, and they put, you know, um, so yeah it was actually funny because Brendan Hartley did one of the tests and he thought that he was maybe a chance of so this is a made 10 years ago wow. I think his neck fell off after two laps because he, so, he was so destroyed <laughs> these cars are pretty physical but um, um anyway yeah uh, oh there's yeah. been some proper sliding doors moments hasn't there yes um, and final question from me what keeps you awake at night what kind of occupies your thoughts um do you sleep like a baby? I'm a pretty good sleeper, um, I must say. I do I do go off. Um I do I'm gonna bit a bit a bit sweetie in the opinion. I do I do I do I I I definitely like sleeping with Anne. I don't like sleeping on my own too much, so I do like yeah, so I do like um sleeping with Annie. Um so that that's that helps. Um but in terms of um I think as you get older, like I think I'm getting too old too fast, but you just, I mean, it's just all the, you know, health and make sure your parents and all, you know, all the important things are still intact. You know, want to make sure that we're making the most of everything we've got now and, and, you know, and spending time with the right people. And, you know, you just sort of not look on the glass half full, but you want to make sure that you're making, you, you, you got your priorities right mm. in terms of your work life balance. And so at the moment, I'm sort of just making sure that's correct that um yeah that i've that I'm, I'm i'm spending the time with the people i should be spending time with mm-hmm. and um and but yet stimulate myself for you know new projects and 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 learning more about myself because still i mean 42 so young still you know so you still um you know got a, you feel you have a lot to offer considering the industry you've been in um so yeah i'm i'm um I've got much better at not getting bogged down in stuff that used to stress the shit out of you. You're just like, okay, mate, well, you know, generally what's stressing the hell out of you now in two or three weeks is not going to be there. Mm. Like just, mate, just, it's just not, like it just, stuff just moves on. But human nature is we just, oh, is this a big deal? Is it not a big deal? But, you know, and sometimes I do Anne's heading because I am quite horizontal. Like I'm quite relaxed and calm. Like a bomb could go off over there and I don't even flinch, you know. So like she's quite, you know. So yeah, yeah, she's, so she's, yeah. So she's the other one. She's probably a little bit more the, the stressor. But um, um, good yin, good yin and yang. Um, but yeah, I'm, um, but I need to train pinks too. I need to keep active. I need to keep, yeah. I'm not a, I, I get stressy if I don't have my endorphins. So I do need to get the circulation going around, so. But that's not with bedroom gymnastics. That's with. with <laughs> I'm uh, glad you clarified <laughs> that. <laughs> I just know another question was about what keeps me awake at night. So, yeah. Listen, thank you for making time in your busy schedule because I know you're all over the shop at the moment. Not in a not, you know, literally, not metaphorically. Yeah. You're very much together. Yeah. Uh, listen, it's been lovely talking to you. So thank you, and um, I hope to see. Well, well, which race? Actually, no, I'm not doing any more races this season. Yeah, I'm doing that's me done. Which ones are you doing? Uh, Singapore, Austin. 
Abu Dhabi. Oh, look at you picking the best ones. I'll yeah. see you in Abu Dhabi. I'll be there. Good. Excellent. Thank you. Bring your sunnies. <laughs> Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, ninety-six percent replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a thirty-night guarantee. Plus, get fifteen percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.